Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. To Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Uh, we're concluding today a series that we have been in for the last number of weeks called The Lord is Our Shepherd. And we've been looking at this passage, Psalm 23, which Pastor Gil introduced the very first week, is such a well known passage. Uh, it's maybe one of the most popular, if not the most popular passage in the world. So many people, they pray Psalm 23, they quote Psalm 23, they got Psalm 23 hanging in their bathroom or in their home somewhere. Psalm 23 is such a well-known scripture, and yet, because of how familiar it is, it's one of the most overlooked passages, one of the most underutilized or appreciated uh, passages. And we started this series a number of weeks ago, Pastor Go leading us in this reality that we actually need Psalm 23. And here's why we need Psalm 23, because every single one of us, we need a shepherd. Oh, we, we might not like to admit it, and we might not even think it, but there is no one in here who is a self-made man or woman. No one in here today that you are sufficient in your own strength, your own ability. No, we all need a shepherd. And Pastor Gil talked in the first week how the Bible teaches that the Lord, he is our shepherd. And not only is the Lord our shepherd, but he is a good shepherd. Can I get an amen? amen. And lastly, we talked about how our good shepherd, uh, he, he is the one who provides for us. David writes, and we'll read it in a moment, but he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, I might not have everything that I want, but I'm always going to have everything that I need. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not go without. One Psalm, uh, David writes and says, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. I've, I've never seen God's people forsaken or without what they need. And we talked about last week how the Lord, our shepherd, he not only provides for our tangible needs, but he provides for the needs of our soul. The Bible says that he leads and guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and he restores our soul. And today as we continue, uh, we're going to talk about today how the Lord, he's not only our provider, but the Lord is our protector. He's our protector. Uh, Psalm 23, if you have it, I'm reading today the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's not a big deal. Uh, you can follow along on the screen. Uh, but it says this, David writing, and David says, the Lord, he is my shepherd. So I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to read to you verses four through six one more time. Uh, it is the portion that we'll uh, fo focus on today. We talked about the first three verses last week. And so starting from verse four, I want to read it one more time. 
David writes and says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will be or I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, we're talking about today how the Lord, our shepherd, he's not only our provider, but the Lord, our shepherd, he is our protector. He, he has given us promises of protection and he is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of the sermon today is simply this, our shepherd fulfills his promises. And if there's one thing that I want you to leave here with today, it is that thought that we serve a faithful God. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, but if he said it, if he spoke it, he is faithful and more than able to bring it to completion. Oh, we serve a God who is faithful. And one of the promises we've been given is that God, he is the one who protects us and watches over us. Uh, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I don't know if you have childhood memories like this. Uh, I don't know how old I was, and I don't remember all the circumstance uh, that led to this scar. You can't see it with this pretty nice sized scar on, on my wrist. Um, I was somewhere in elementary school and uh, we went to my aunt and uncle's house. And my aunt and uncle, they had a jacuzzi. Um, I don't know what the difference is in a jacuzzi and a hot tub, uh, but I know that it was a jacuzzi. Now we in Southern California where we grew up, we didn't have like access to a pool all the time. And so going to aunt and uncle's house where there was a jacuzzi was like going to the Ritz Carlton. Oh, we're going to their house. It's jacuzzi time. Uh, my, my two sisters are sitting right here, Brittany and Brianna. And uh, I remember they called it a nice and koozie. I don't know where they got that from. And so we were at my aunt and uncle's house enjoying the nice and koozie. And uh, I had to use the restroom. And so I jumped out of the jacuzzi, obviously. And um, like, where are we going with this? And uh, went, went, went inside and it was an in-ground jacuzzi. Uh, and so my plan was to use the restroom. I left the sliding glass door open and to whip around the corner to get a running start from the hallway, through the entryway, through the living room, and, and, and give the biggest cannonball of my life to this nice and koozie. Um, I don't know who did it. Uh, I forgive them. I've released it to the Lord. I've received healing from him. Uh, but somebody closed the sliding glass door. And, you know, as a kid, you don't think about things you think about as you're an adult. Like if you leave the door open, bugs are getting in. Uh, our air conditioning is leaving our house. You're costing us more money. Uh, all the things that we tell our, our, our kids now. And um, I, I didn't realize it was closed. And so I whipped around that corner and I got the biggest running start. And like a running back, I ran directly through that sliding glass door. I shattered that door. I ran so hard and the door, it stopped me. I mean, not all the way, but it stopped me from my cannonball. And I can remember laying in a big pile of glass. And I actually don't remember all the details, not because it's some big traumatic event, but I remember specifically laying in this pile of glass. And I don't remember how I got there, but then I remember standing in my aunt and uncle's bathroom, looking in the mirror and seeing all the blood on my face and like, what? 
what's happening right now? And I can remember over and over again asking my mom, who was pulling glass from wherever it was and trying to clean me, and uh, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And just, it, it was the only thought, am I going to die right now? Am, am, am I going to be okay? Am I going to die? And my mom's trying to comfort me. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're going to be okay. Now that I'm a parent, I know. You don't always know that. You just say it, right? Like there's times that you're like, oh, you're going to be fine. You look at your spouse like, I don't know, to be honest. I don't, I don't know if they are. They might not be okay. But I heard my mom just saying like, no, you're fine. Am, am I going to die? Am I going to be, am I going to be okay? You're, you're, you're fine. And, and I want to say this morning to anybody, whoever has, who, who maybe right now is or one day will ask that question in life, am I going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? Are, are we going to be okay? Are, are we going to make it? That if the Lord is your shepherd, resoundingly the answer is yes, yes. David writes in Psalm 23, and he says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That phrase, valley of shadow of death, is actually a really uh, interesting and descriptive phrase. Uh, that, that, that word valley, it describes a deep gorge that is steep and narrow. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but my first thought when I was looking at this this week was The Lion King. Remember when Scar, he throws Mufasa into the gorge and he st- the, the, the stampede and Mufasa goes to see Lion King Jesus. At least that's what we told our kids, that he's, no, he's in a better place. And, and it's describing this deep gorge, this valley that, and when you're in there, I, I don't think that we can actually make our way out. It's too steep. It's too deep. It's too, too narrow. It, it, it feels like you're stuck. And this phrase, uh, valley of shadow of death, and in fact, I'll just read it to you, this phrase, shadow of death, it depicts something that is, that is like a deep darkness. It's something that's like a deep shadow. Uh, this, this phrase, what, what it means is, uh, it means a deep darkness or a deep shadow. It's an expression of extreme danger, distress, and it's a figure of speech for the place of the dead. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when the life circumstance and situation feels like I'm in a place that I can't get out and I don't know how I'm going to keep moving forward. And it feels like there's deep or overwhelming darkness or distress. F- figuratively speaking, I feel like I'm in the place of the dead right now. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You know, something we don't often talk about, and, and I, don't, I don't think that we should talk about it more often, I'm just acknowledging we don't often talk about it, is that uh, life is not always easy. And even though we don't talk about that a lot, that's something that all of us, we, we just know because we're all living life, right? That, that life is not always fun. Life's not always easy. That Actually, life can be full of pain and hurt and hardship, trial, tribulation, even at times, tragedy. You know, the, the Bible says this, Jesus speaking in John 6, 16, 33, he says, um, in this life, you will have trouble. 
he goes on to say, take heart for I've overcome the world. But he says, you know, in this life, you, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. James 1, 2 says, my brethren counted on all joy, not if, but when you fall into various trials. So just biblically speaking, that's the reality of life. Is it not that we all face difficulty. We all face pain. We all, in, in measures that only we, we can know and experience, go through trial and tribulation. It's the reality of life. And David says, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will, we will fear no evil because we know that he is with us. Most scholars agree that Psalm 23 is a psalm that was written in David's maturity. Uh, that, that, that Psalm 23 was written later in David's life. And so David, he is a king who has not only life experience, but he has God experience. You know, I'm not so interested, by the way, in people that just have life experience. Because life experience, you just got to keep on blowing out birthday candles, right? Like you just got to keep going. But, but people that have life experience, but they have God experience. They have testimony and personal experience that comes only through walking with. Now, those are the people that I, I want to listen to and I want to hear. And David, what we can find in scriptures, David not only had life experience, David had God experience. I, I wonder in Psalm 23, if while David's writing, I wonder if he's thinking about when he was a child and he was forsaken and outcast by his family. I wonder if David's thinking about when Samuel came to anoint the new king, how he was not only forgot about, he was purposely uh, not, not brought near for, for, for Samuel coming. I, I thought about, I wonder if David was thinking about the season of his life that was 10 to 15 years long, when he, for being anointed king, living righteously and, and, and full of integrity and doing everything he could do to serve King Saul, was repaid by King Saul using all of his resource and all of Israel's armies to hunt David down and to try to take his life. Oh, David understood and he knew what it meant and what it felt like to feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And yet David, something we know he was well acquainted with is he was well acquainted with the reality that we have promises and covenant from God that have to do with the reality that God is our protector. Can you write this down today if you're taking notes? But first thought, it simply is that, that our shepherd, he is our protector. Amen. That the shepherd is our protector. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 91, verse five through nine. The Bible says this, Psalm 91, verse five through nine. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. I love this. Though a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, it shall not come near you. I love this. Only with your eyes, the Bible says, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because, someone say because, 
because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Psalm 91 says that for those who make the Lord their shepherd, for those who make the Lord their dwelling place, that there is a covenant of protection. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon, no weapon. Someone say no weapon. There's no weapon. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage. It's the covenant. It's the promise of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isaiah 43, verse two. I think the words are getting smaller on the screen or my eyes are getting older. Um, Isaiah four, I think that's a three, 43, yes, 43, verse two. It says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Last one, I'll read Psalm 23, four again. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though right now I may feel like I am walking through and living in the valley, the place of the dead, deep darkness shadowing me, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I love David says, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, David writes, you know what comforts me? That the same rod and staff in your hand that you use to, to gently lead me and guide me and sometimes correct me is the same one that turns around and becomes a weapon in your hand that defends me and protects me and keeps me safe. Oh God, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. And not only is God our protector, but God in the midst of life is the one who sustains. You can write this down, the Lord. He's not only our protector, but the shepherd. He is our sustainer. He's our sustainer. Psalm 23, uh, verse, verse five uh, says this, that, that you, Lord, you prepare a table before me. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Listen to the, th the three ways in this passage that David says the shepherd, he sustains us. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it runs over. He, he, he gives three things the shepherd does. Number one, that he prepares for us in the presence of our enemies a banqueting table. Now, unfortunately, uh, this is not talking about like a physical table where he's like preparing chipotle for us after church, uh, but, but it's more speaking to this, this spiritual place that God prepares and invites for us to come. That in the midst of life's trials and tribulation, that in the presence of our enemies, he prepares for us a table. A table. I don't know what your favorite meal is or what you most enjoy eating, if it's home, if it's at a restaurant, but David says, God, before my enemies, you prepare a table and you invite me to this place where I can come and I can eat, where spiritually I can be fed by you, where I, where I can drink to, to the full and I can sit and be replenished. But, but for most of us, we're not familiar with that table because we're too busy and we got too much going on. Because we're, we're, we're too busy trying to be our own 
protector and sustainer. He says, not only do you prepare a table before me, but you anoint my head with oil. There's two different uh, pr- primary kinds of oil in the Old Testament. Uh, one is what they used to anoint like priests and kings, and it was a symbol of God anointing them for service. But there was another one. And the other kind of oil, it was more of a fragrant oil, and it was one that was bestowed upon someone to show favor and hospitality. Psalm 23 is speaking to the latter. David says, God, not only do you prepare a table before me where I can sit and be fed and be replenished and be nourished, but God, you pour on me your favor. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, Romans chapter five, verse one through two, uh, the apostle Paul's writing and he says, by faith, by faith, we have been justified or declared right with God. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access, verse two, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You know what the grace of God is, right? The grace of God is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited love and blessing and favor of God that's been poured upon us. So you you might not know this today, but if you've given your heart to Jesus and you've received of his finished work, the favor of God is all over you. That God has poured and lavished upon you his favor. And the Bible says that, well, he prepares a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. He lavishes me with his love and with his favor. And he, and he fills my cup so it's overflowing. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians, I believe is where Paul says, even though my outward man is perishing, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man every day is being renewed day by day by day. He, he, He sustains us by filling our cup to the overflow. If you think about Psalm 23, it really is so counterintuitive, is it not? Because so much of Psalm 23, that's just not how we live. Like, that's not what we do. This whole idea that in the midst of adversity and trial and in the midst of the valley, that we're just sitting at a table. Like, you you relax and you sit at a table when the job's done, right? Like, you, 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 you sit down to rest and, 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 and you, you, you enjoy the, the table when, when you figured out the problem. And it's so counterintuitive because maybe not for everybody, but I would say for so many of us that when life gets like, like hot, when, when circumstance and situation and what do we do? We, we just start working harder, don't we? we start, I, I gotta try harder. I gotta do more. I gotta figure it out. I gotta go to Google more. I, we, we gotta find the solution. We got, and all of a sudden we just start boom, 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 boom. Does that sound like the shepherd to you? It doesn't. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that that, that, that we shouldn't work hard and all my, my, my older men and women to the younger generation said a big amen. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be diligent and disciplined. No, the Bible has much to say about that. But, 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 but there is a point where we've done all that diligence and hard work and discipline requires. And now we're just striving. Now we're just anxious. Now, 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 now we're just working, working, working because I don't know what to do but to just keep 
going. And David says in the midst of the valley of shadow of death, in the midst of when it feels like life is closing in, he actually invites me to come and to enjoy from a banqueting table. He invites me to come away with him and receive from him. He invites me to receive the favor and the love that's been poured upon me and to receive of all that he has so that my cup is overflowing. You know, one of the things that I've learned uh, in in preaching over the last 15 years, uh, by the way, full disclosure, I am not saying or do I think by any means uh, that I am good or great at preaching and teaching. It's a work in progress and God is helping me. But one of the things that, that, that I've learned is that there, there always comes a point, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody, there always comes a point where I'm just, I'm studying and I'm working and I'm trying to the best of my ability, memorize and get in my heart. And, and there always comes this point where I just get stuck. You ever been at work or you ever been working on something you just get stuck? You're just like, I don't, I'm just hitting my head against the wall. And, and, and one of the things that I've learned is that the Lord, usually when I'm stuck, he'll, he'll gently go, hey, it's, it's time for you to just rest. It's time for you to remember that I'm the one who's gifted and graced and called you to do this thing. I'm the one who's doing all the heavy lifting. It's not your words that are really helping. It's me. I'm, I'm just using you. Like, you're, I'm, like you are a vessel in my hand. I'm the one who gives you, and he invites me to just, and here's what I found, that I'm always at my best when I'm at rest. I'm never at my best when I'm just, oh, I just, I hope I, hope I don't screw up. I hope, hope people think I'm funny. I hope people don't laugh at me. I hope no one emails my dad today. I hope that, like, you know what I mean? It's like, that last part's real. Um, Email, email Pastor Jenny. But, but I'm, I'm at my best when I just, whew, I'm at the end of what diligence, hard work, and discipline has required of me. I'm at the end of myself. So now, whew, I'm going to rest in him. And I'm going to thank him can I tell you that that's not just like something I've learned when it comes to teaching and preaching. That's something that, that we should learn in life. That when we come to the end of ourself, when we come to the end of what diligence, discipline, and hard work requires of us, that we are our best when we're at rest. Mom, dad, you're the best mom and dad you can be when you're at rest. You are the best husband or wife when you're at rest. You are the best version of you when you're not striving, but rather you are, I've done all that I know to do. I've done all that I can do. And so rather than sitting up late and being anxious and doing five more Google searches, God, I'm just gonna rest. And I'm gonna remember that you invite me in the midst of this to come sit at a banqueting table where you want to feed me. You want to pour my cup so it's overflowing. You want to anoint my head with oil, with favor. See, he he protects us. But remember, David says we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It does require walking. 
And because it requires walking, he also, he sustains us. He sustains us. And lastly, I'll, I'll just give you this today, that our shepherd, who's our protector and our sustainer, well, we can count on him because he is always, someone say always. He's always faithful. He's always faithful. David writes Psalm 23, verse six, our final verse today. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember, Psalm 23 is a psalm written in David's maturity. David's not a young man, he's an old man. And it's a psalm written in David's maturity, yet with vivid remembrance and awareness of his youth. You know what David's writing? He's saying, God, oh, surely as I reflect and think about not just my life experience, but my God experience from when I was young to when I'm old, surely God, your goodness has always been with me. Your mercy has always been following me. I think about 2 Timothy 2.13 that says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. I wonder if David penned this going, oh God, even when I was at the top of the mountain and I was serving you and people were going, man, David, he's a man after God's own heart. You were, you were faithful. But God, even when, when I was at my lowest point, even when I was committing sin beyond measure, I, I, I know you're probably aware of this, but you, you do realize that David, he, he, he was a man who had many faults. David's the man who knowingly, willfully, intentionally committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, got her pregnant, and then to cover it up, had her husband murdered. That's the guy who wrote Psalm 23. In Psalm 51, David writes the Psalm of repentance, not only repenting, but, but calling upon the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Here's David. He's not a young man. He's an old man. He goes, oh God, surely, surely your goodness and your mercy, it follows me all the days of my life. And so I will make the decision. He says this Psalm 23, verse six, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when, when he says that, he, he's both making a decision and helping us to see a result of that decision. God, I'm, first of all, I'm making the decision that you will be my dwelling place. You will be the place that I continue to run to. Oh God, you are my shepherd. And because I've made you my shepherd, I know forever I will be in your presence. Can, can I tell you the, the correlation for you and I is that John 3.16 says that if anybody would believe in him, if anybody would, would believe in him, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, put their trust in him, make the Lord the shepherd of their life, that they would be saved. See, th this entire series, just, just, just so we're clear, it only applies to you and I to the degree that we've made him the Lord of our life. 
It, it only applies to us to the, to the degree that we've allowed him to be the shepherd of our, of our life. I, I wonder today if you can think back and you can remember and recognize how the goodness and mercy of God have followed you all the days of your life. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that you have yet to make that decision to say, no, God, I need a shepherd. It's not me. It's, it's you. And so I make Jesus, you, the Lord, the shepherd of my life. And because I've made you my dwelling place, I know that I will dwell in your house, in your presence forever. As we close today, uh, I, th- I thought it'd be, be committing to, cl- uh, thought it'd be uh, fitting to close our service uh, by simply taking communion together. Uh, if you have communion, you can get that out. If you didn't get one, uh, you can throw your hand up and one of our guest experience team or somebody will come and uh, per- provide one for you. Uh, we got p- people, someone, people coming around to pass those out. But as we uh, prepare to receive communion, I want to remind you today why we take communion. I want to remind you today what communion represents. It, it is not merely just a, a, a religious act, but rather we take communion to remember the finished work of Jesus. We take communion to remember that the Lord is our shepherd. That John 10, 10 says that Jesus, he is the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the sheep, that Jesus is the faithful shepherd who he He leads us, he guides us, he provides for us, he protects us. And through his finished work, we have all things that we have need of. We we will do this in a moment, but we uh, eat this wafer, we take this cracker in representation of his body that was broken. The body of Jesus that was broken so that our life can be made whole. So that even when we feel like we've been broken by the valley of the shadow of death, that we can receive and recover wholeness through his finished work. We drink of this cup, remembering that it was his blood that was poured out so that even when we have been faithless, we can receive of his faithfulness, that he forgives us and he cleanses us. He makes us right with him. He anoints our head with the oil of gladness, the favor and the grace of God. And I'd like to invite you today that if you're here and you've never made that decision, to make him the Lord of your life. Let me just clarify. I'm not saying if you've never made the decision to believe in him. There's a difference, isn't there? Believing in Jesus and making him the Lord, the shepherd of your life. We, We often quote Romans 10, 9 and 10. If anybody would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth and we kind of stop right there. And, and, and we maybe subconsciously, because of the culture we live in, we go, yeah, if anybody would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Savior, they will be, but it's not what it says. It says, if anybody would believe in their heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit would do something on the inside of them that would bring them to the end of themselves to say, oh God, I need a shepherd. And it's not me. I need... I don't just need the, she- the, the savior, but I need the shepherd to, to lead me. If anybody would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's boss, he's Lord, he's ruler, he's king. They would 
be saved. So I, I take you back, and it is unplanned, but I take you back to where we concluded worship. Has he been highly exalted in your life? Or are you currently the one that's highly exalted? I know you might believe in him, but if you, have you exalted him as the Lord and the shepherd? Because all oh, my friends, we all need a shepherd. And the Lord, he is our shepherd and he's a good and a faithful shepherd that always fulfills all of his promises. Oh, he's our provider. He meets all of our needs. He restores our soul. Oh, he's the one that protects us and watches over us. He's the one that sustains us and anoints us with the oil of gladness, with his favor. Oh, he's the one that chases us down always with his goodness and his mercy. Oh, the Lord is a good shepherd. And I want to invite you today as we take communion together, that if you've never made that decision, that you would make that decision today. That as I'm praying and leading us in communion, you would you'd make a very personal prayer. And, and you would maybe commit or recommit your life for the first time or the first time in a long time to the Lord as our shepherd. Would you join me today as we take this, this wafer? Lord, today we in community take this, remembering and thanking you that your body was broken so we can have wholeness. Father, I speak right now over our church and every single person to the sound of my voice that if there are any areas this morning of brokenness, of sickness, of disease, of hurt, of pain, of things that have been shattered, that in the name of Jesus, as we receive of your body today, that wholeness would come. Your body was broken that our life may be made whole. Your body was broken that by your stripes we may be healed. And so Jesus, our good shepherd, we thank you for and receive today, remembering that you were broken, that we may be made whole. Would you, would you take this cracker together today? And Lord, we, we prepare to take this cup today remembering that it is not about our performance. That there's not a single person in here today that is without fault or failure. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And oh, we're so thankful that you have provided for us a way to right relationship with you. You've provided us a way for our sins to be forgiven and us to be brought into proximity, intimacy with our God. And so we, we today, we receive of your, uh, of your blood today. We receive of the cup, remembering that your blood was poured out, that we might be washed white as snow. Thank you today for forgiving our sin and for cleansing us in Jesus' name. Would you take the cup today? And Lord, I pray today for anyone who's here that is making that decision for the first time or the first time in a long time to say, okay, Jesus, I've kind of been exalted, but I want to exalt you. I want you to be highly exalted. I want you to be the shepherd of my soul. That in the name of Jesus today, Holy Spirit, you would seal that in their heart and you would supernaturally do what only you can do.
again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.